College baseball fans, college baseball is returning to Globe Life Field, home of the World Series champion Texas Rangers. Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas is kicking off the college baseball season by hosting some of the top teams in the country over three consecutive weekends. The action starts with the Shriners Children's College Showdown presented by Kubota from February 16th to the 18th and continues with the Kubota College Baseball Series from February 23rd to the 25th and March 1st to the 3rd. Visit globelifefield.com forward slash college baseball for more information. Tickets for all three weekends are on sale now. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 29.5 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Tonight's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. We are also brought to you by Pitch Logic, the system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play from youth leagues to the big leagues. The easy-to-use and affordable technology makes the platform accessible to every player at every level. All the metrics and features used at the highest level of our game. See PitchLogic.com for more information. Um, as always, I am joined by you know th- three right-handers that really put it out there this weekend, just made quality starts. Sebi Barrels, Aaron J. Fitt, who bled for the cause. <laughs> and Kendall, the country club member of, of the, I mean, just indoors in a suite, TV. Perfect type. elements. Dude, come on, KR. I, I feel like Aaron's like putting in his hard time for what's to come this weekend. That's yeah, right. That's true. He's I earning get, his strokes. I get to be pampered this weekend over there at Globe Life. But this past weekend, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I'll say this. We had, a, you know, I, I love going to Coastal. It's a great ballpark. Uh, but, you know, we had the windows open and it was darn cold on on uh, on Sunday and, and it was just dry. You know, my knuckles are, are angry with me. My knuckles are very, very cracked. <laughs> no, boy, no. So you're going to have to play hurt at Globe Life, Fitzy. Good thing that's, yeah. you know, you know, uh, what do they call it? Uh, controlled environment there. That's right. That's right. Very I find uh, I suffer from a I have a, a hand condition that keeps makes my hands really cold really easily. Shout out to those of you out here listening who also suffer from Raynaud syndrome. Um, and so my knuckles are always cracked and stuff in the wintertime. And so there'll be times you look at my hands and I've just got so much liquid bandage on my hands to keep the like wounds clean and closed that it, it looks oh. like I, you know, I did my hands in wax or something, you know, <laughs> but it works. Stuff works. It burns, but it's good. America is really engaged in this podcast right now. This is good stuff. <laughs> this is good stuff. I have, no, I have no skin cracking to discuss. Uh, me and Runes have this problem. Yeah. Joe, But too, I have no forget. skin cracking yet. That's where the bucket I'll, I'll let you guys know next week if my skin starts cracking. Yes. I, I'll, I'll wrap us with this, KR. The, the D1, the newly, newly unveiled D1 baseball vest was clutch cargo this week for Coach Ooh. Rooney. Yes, I was flying yeah. the car. Aaron, did you pull out the vest film. in the cold weather, buddy? I, I got to tell you again. Okay. I mean, here's the thing: it's like I, the vest fever it just boggles my mind because it's like they have these things that are like vests, but they have sleeves, so they also keep your arms warm. Uh, yeah, but your arm is loose. I think they're called jackets. It's a it's a weird. Yeah, you know, look into loose. it. What what did he loose arms for? Like, I don't understand. I, I don't you understand. Never know. You might have to throw some punches or something like uh. that. 
Fitzy's ancestors. Hey, you know what? Fitz- if you, hey, if you had guns to show off, maybe oh, you there, were a no, There's that. That's right. The pythons. <laughs> oh, that's great. Kendall, Fitzy, Kendall's, you're, Kendall's walking around like George Costanza with a giant Gore-Tex jacket. Well, no wonder you can't move your arms. I don't understand. <laughs> oh. Hey, I'm okay. just going to call myself sleeves. the Billy Amick. I'm just going to call dude, myself the Billy Amick of college baseball media. Oh, well said. Although the George Costanza drop, that's that's the mic drop of this podcast. Well played, Fitzy. I'm we'll out. See you, you guys. Yes. All right, boys, let's do this. We're, we're Monday evenings. We want to do quick thoughts, uh, hence the 29.5 uh, minute shot clock for us. Here's what I thought we could do. Um, let's talk about I want to I want each, each of us to mention one player that just in the course, you don't even have to. My player is not someone I saw. It was just like a, you know, we're, we're processing all these box scores and results. It was just a player's name that came across my my face that I was like, dang, like that, that's interesting. So just one player that really jumped out at you. And then like a big observation from what you saw with your own eyes this week. So I'll give you the player. Ryan Prager for AM, like dealt. And I remember reading about him a couple of years ago. And Kendall, I'm going to have you fact check me on this. I remember sure. reading about him a couple of years ago and people saying like, hey, this could be like a real Friday night dude. 6'3", yeah. left-hander with like command and velo. And then, you know, he made 16 starts and went fine. And then last year didn't pitch at all. And he shoved this weekend. And I had mentally kind of checked out on him. Like if he's a real dude, my perception of A&M is completely turned inside out. Um is he a real dude, Kendall, Joe? What what say you? Uh, I saw him a couple years ago as a freshman. Uh, when I saw him back then, it was like 90, 92, really good pitch abilities, got a good frame. Uh, what's really interesting about AM and m and, and granted, like I'm not trying to disrespect me these here, but I mean, they were picked in the middle to bottom half of the Southland Conference this year. But it, the, the point remains that AM's pitching staff, which was an issue last year, they finished, uh, I think it was 100, Joe can correct me on this, but I think it was 113th or – 114th in ERA last year as a team. Uh, opening weekend, they allowed one run. That's the least amount of runs that the, an AM staff has allowed since 1918 in a weekend. 1918. So, yeah, that's pretty impressive. I'll give you another one just to piggyback on that. I saw this hashtag Pat stat uh, yeah. this weekend. North Carolina scored more runs in their uh, opening weekend than they have since the 1898 Tar Heels uh, did an opening weekend. So, they, they, got, you, they got you Trump there, Raj. Those eighteen ninety eight Tar Heels were tough. They're loaded, like, dude. So, They're loaded. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah, know we were supposed to bring uh, stats from two centuries ago, Joe. Yeah, the, you, the you, balls are very the, ball, the balls are very juice back then. I just want I didn't to say. get the email on the hundred year old <laughs> statistics that we were supposed to bring. Joe, save us. I I should have used I should have used better uh, better parlance there, as the kids are saying. Like the eighteen ninety eight Tar Heels were a problem. That's what meanwhile, the kids are saying. These <laughs> meanwhile, were weren't there like te- meanwhile weren't like Texas Tech and Florida State founded in like the early sixties or late fifties? Where I live time. was not a state at this time, so I think these stats are all moved. <laughs> uh, yeah, Florida State famously uh, was was what an all women's university uh, up until you know. Uh, yeah, it's a teacher's college. Yeah. Uh, te- Texas State was the same way. So Southwest Texas State was originally, yes. I believe, a teacher's college. So let's but anyways, do this. Jo- so Prager is was interesting to me. Joe, uh-huh. you can either comment on Prager or take us to the next player, please. I'll take you to the next player because I, you know, because Prager didn't throw last year, I, I didn't actually see a lot of of him. So Kendall's, I knew who he was. I saw him in Omaha, I guess, but um, but Kendall's evaluation there is a lot going to be a lot more valuable than mine. I will stick in the SEC. Um, Slate Alford hit three home runs for Georgia. 
and went like eight for 14 or some such. I don't have the number here right in front of me, but oh, actually, yes, I do. Yeah. Um, I still have Georgia's stats open. Uh, six for 14. Uh, three home runs, nine driven in. Uh, it's UNC Asheville. I get it. We're going to have to put caveats on all these players we talk about probably. Mm-hmm. However, um, it's not like he also didn't see some cupcake pitching when he played at Mississippi State, and he didn't get off to starts like this always, right? And if Georgia, look, I don't know what to make of that team. If they're going to even sniff the idea of being a surprise regional club this year, they're going to need the offense to be somebody more than just Charlie Condon. Uh, Oh, by the way, Charlie Condon hit a ball apparently that had like a 118 exit velo (laughs) over the weekend. (laughs) Like the dude is just is bonkers, but he might draw 75 walks this year because why would you ever let that guy beat you in that lineup? But regardless, look, we've never doubted Slade Alford's talent. Like that's never been on the table for debate. Um, It's just been reaching the ceiling. Um, You know, maybe some defensive questions, things like that. But Georgia, to be the best version of themselves, is going to need him. And you'd rather him do what he did this weekend than not, even against bad competition. So I found that kind of interesting because I, you know, I just truly don't know what to expect with that team. Fair. Fitz, you got a player? Can I give you a player and a pitcher from uh, baseball to beach or do I have to pick one? No, oh, using, no the, using the KR rule, taking KR one rule, and turning right. the two. Yeah. I like it. Well, I, I wrote about Charlie Bielinson today on the site and I talked about him a lot on the pod, so I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I just want to say this. It's a neat story. He's a six-year senior who might end up being the best reliever in the country. Does it remind you of anyone? Kevin Copps, perhaps. I'm oh, not wow. saying he's, I'm not saying he's going to win the Golden Spikes Award now, but like it's like yeah. the coolest, like out of nowhere, six-year senior. Like I mean, he was already a guy as a fifth-year senior last year, but like the fact that they they had those two COVID years in the Ivy League, right? Uh, 20, 2020 was canceled, and then they had all 2021 canceled. This guy had like a 13 ERA as a freshman, a 10 ERA as a sophomore. Solid, you know, finally when he got to pitch two years later, but like, you know, nothing special. And then he goes to Duke as a walk-on and he, you know, it's like everyday Eddie, 39 appearances last year. Very good change-up specialist. And now he's taking yet another step. And like they have two preseason All-Americans in their bullpen. And this guy is the best of the bunch. Like he's, he's better right now anyway, than, than, than O'Shell and Talon. He's got that premium change up. He'll throw righties, lefties, whatever. Slider's gotten better and better and better. It's a real out pitch now. He's got this cutter that he'll run in on lefties, and he's up to 94, you know, and, and missing more bats with the fastball. I mean, it, and he's just a dude. He's rubber armed. He's super resilient. He's Kevin Cops ish, is what he is. And I just thought that that struck me today is that kind of the Cops parallel. And I just wanted to, wanted to mention that. Uh, and then, real quick, the other thing from Baseball to Beach, the other guy that I, I have to talk about is, is David Seifert's man. Sam Antonacci, Seifert was all over this guy. Juco ball, uh, we he juiced him pretty good in our in our Juco rankings. Uh, I'd never seen him before, Joe. I know you saw him in the fall, um, but I loved what I saw from this guy. It's just like so he's thicker than I expected. I knew he was super athletic, but it's like a but it's thick in like a way that like Mike Trout is thick, where it's like it's just like. Ruse, you use the term sometimes heavy legged. This guy's the opposite of heavy legged, whatever that that is. I don't, I don't think you say light legged, but like he's like super, super light on his feet. And you can see it on, you know, when he's running down the line, you can see it on the base pass, you can see it at third base. It's just like he, he's physical, but he's explosive, like a, like a, you know, powerful running back or something. Um, and he, he, he's got such a quiet approach in the box from the left side feel for the barrel. He drives it. He, he can hit velocity uh, as a tough out. 
highlight reel defender. Uh, I just think this guy's going to play in the big leagues for 15 years. And uh, right now I, I think he's got a chance to be a first round pick. And if, if he doesn't be a first round pick, somebody's going to get a steal because he's going to play for a long time. Gosh, I can't wait to see him. That's really, that's awesome. Well, you KR, heard it here what, first. Charlie oh, Bielinson is Kevin Copps and Sam Antonacci is Mike Trout. That's what Aaron. There it is. <laughs> that's basically what I just said. Yeah. Fitzy, yeah. let it rip. We never, we, we don't want to be shy. I like that. And Connor Davis. Connor Davis is Frank Thomas. Is that who it was? Oh, Connor Davis with oh, one with one R, with one pull. N. Yeah, great, great pull. pull. Do you know? I told you guys that that the ASU guys started calling him the Big Hurt on That's their so text good. threads, which was amazing. It's so good. Yes, I love the Frank that. Thomas uh, comp was one of the best. Yes, yeah, big physical guys that take. Walks. You know, if he hadn't been injured, he would have lived up to that. He had a nice career, but he a uh, great kid too. If you ever talk to him, Connor Davis, all time, he might get into coaching. I hope he does. He's awesome. Um. Uh, and I was pleased to give him a, a nickname that was probably not probably that was uh, very much a stretch. Kendall, give us, give us, give us the next Frank Thomas. Who's do, do you have a, do you have a Randy Johnson? Comp this guy like might to... be closer to Frank Thomas and Connor Davis, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you since Vic gave you two guys, I'll give you two guys real quick. Um, Billy Amick for Tim, Tennessee would be one of them for me. Uh, you know, obviously one of the more uh, heralded transfers during the off season, uh, obviously, we knew he had great power. Uh, he was he was red hot in the last year for Clemson. Uh, but one of the big question marks with, with Billy was his ability to play third base. And it was really interesting. You know, obviously, he had a great weekend power-wise. He hit, hit a ball like halfway up the second deck at Globe Life, which is pretty impressive. Uh, but the thing that stood out to me was, was A, just the, the, the physicality of his frame, and B, uh, his defensive skills. Like – Tell you what, if, if you're expecting Billy Amick to go out there and be a gold glove third baseman, that, that's not what you're going to see. But he went out there. He was a steady defender. He didn't do anything that – put it this way. He didn't do anything like Jacob Berry did when he was a third baseman at LSU where you're like, oh, like, what the hell is he doing? You know, like there were no no moments like that with Billy uh, this past weekend. He, he was very steady over there, which is really good to see. Uh, and frankly, if he is that all year long defensively and he continues to hit – throughout the year, the way he looked at times over the weekend. Uh, you know, we had him 40th in our prospect rankings. Uh, he will be 40th. He'll be like 15 or 20 if that continues. And, you know, I know Saif was, was really hitting me up over the weekend just asking me what I thought about his defensive skill set. Um, so he was one guy. I think the other guy real quick for me, uh, you know, we talked a lot, guys, in our, in our preseason pod uh, about the Ryan Farber kid at Texas State uh, who hit like 530 in the fall. You guys know as well as I do. Um, how many times do we hear, hey, this guy was really good in the fall and he does absolutely nothing in the spring? Uh, Farber, uh, you know, over the weekend, guys, hit like 639 uh, in his debut uh, for the Bobcats. So uh, it, it, that is a case of it looks like he's as good as he was in the fall. I love it. Isn't that cool? Like Billy Amick was like not playing the first part of the season for Clemson last year. Like it yeah. just we're at a point in time where kids just make quick, they get opportunities, they make quick jumps. It's really, I love that. Hey, let's, I'll let's, say this too real quick ahead. on Billy. And, it, you know, there, there's people out there that will have a little bit more background in this whole situation than I will. But it's hard to look at Billy Amick, unless he's just greatly improved. It is hard for me to look at Billy Amick in third base and go, oh, yeah, Eric Back, it's totally would not give him a shot at third base. Like there's like just knowing EB, like there's no way he saw that and went, yeah, there's no way he can play there. Well, he, I mean, he sent him 
to the Cape and ask them, Hey, can you help this guy? He wants yeah. to play third base. Like we want him to be our third baseman. Can you help make him our third baseman? Yeah. And then he just kind of got, you know, <laughs> he got out recruited on his own player. Um, yeah. I mean, but the narrative, even after the fact was that Clemson told him he can't play third for him. I mean, that was the narrative even after all of it. Right. And that's a false, I'm just saying that that's a false narrative. Is exactly yeah. Yeah. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, that that's that's a new narrative in the transfer era, right? That you know it it, it doesn't matter. We don't care. Like we're not holding transferring against kids. Like it's great. Well, you, it's kind of like I mean, let's be honest. I mean, people are saying that you know Chase Burns wasn't you know had no shot of being a weekend starter for Tennessee, which we obviously know is not the truth. Yeah, that's yeah. It. I think we'd all prefer that this like the people around the player just say, "Hey, we thought it was a better uh, opportunity. We thought it was a better fit, yeah. and let's just move on, right?" It's like, who cares? Why? Yeah, he seemed like a really humble kid, by the way. Like I, you know, I talked to him after the game on like the days run together. I think it was Friday. Really laid back dude. Like so I, I was a big fan. Yep. Hey, let's do an observation from what we saw, and then and then uh, if if others care to comment on it, that's great. And or or, or follow up questions. More importantly. Um, I'll start. I'm going to be quick. I'm going to try to give you one thought on some of the teams. There was a billion teams out here and um, it was made it really fun. You know, Grand Canyon needs to be filed away like they are. They lost the star power. I mean, this is a team that had a first round pick, a fourth round pick and a fifth round pick last year. Um, and They've got a star on the mound in Danny Avedia. They've got a star position player in Zach York. They've got a bunch of seniors. They've got a star freshman in Connor Madison. Um, you know, Grand Canyon's a team that's going to, a program that's going to have to work really hard to hang on to Connor Madison. This is up to 93 with a, a nasty, nasty changeup. Um, they just looked really good all weekend. They, they were, they beat USC and looked like a far superior team. Uh, Grand Canyon was very impressive. USC just look disheveled, you know, like they have no field, they have no cages. USC looked, they looked lost, you know, like they just look like it's been a lot. And um, I love that coaching staff and there are good players on there. And Austin Overn had a really tough weekend. It's hard for me to picture them being good when Austin Overn is struggling. And so um, Arizona was very impressive. We had them as the ninth ranked Pac-12 team. The coaches had them in the ninth ranked Pac-12 team. That already looks erroneous. It's interesting. They have less star power than last year, but you can see Chip Hale is really, really solid baseball coach, and Kevin Vance's influence on those pitchers, they were so much better on the mound, like strike throwing. And I get it. Like all those kids are a year older, so that, you know, you would hope that they would be a year better. Um, and I just felt like they outplayed Northeastern. I think Northeastern still has great ceiling, um, you know, Mike Lavin's team, they just played poorly. They walked people. They didn't play great defense. They are big and athletic and fast, and they play like they're, they're, they're confident Northeastern this is. But Arizona was just better than them this weekend. So I don't – I have not lost heart on Northeastern. Um, they just – you know, Arizona was really the story there. They were very impressive. Um, and I'll just wrap with this, and you guys can comment on this. Oregon State was excellent. Their position player group is old and good. Bazana is a star. He went off. Trent Caraway is a really dynamic offensive player as well. The only thing, the nitpick I have on Oregon State, man, I wish they had more out pitches. It's just a, it's a very solid pitching staff. I wish they had a few more out pitches. Um, and the, the other team, ASU, was kind of, both sides like we thought they had a great offense they did we were concerned about their pitching it was 
Santa Clara's veteran team beat up ASU's pitching. So um, any any follow-up questions, boys, or thoughts on all that? I know that's a lot of we, – we had a lot of teams out here. Holy heck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, you know, Northeastern, I think you made a good point. Like, they didn't have a great weekend. Um, for me, I, I just think, like, again, I think back to, like, the 2011 UConn team. I think I made this point in the chat today. But, like, that team was a top-10 team in the preseason, had a lot of, lot of hype that they kind of had to justify because everyone doubts the Northeast teams. I get it. Um, and they came out of the shoot kind of shaky, you know, not, not great. Um, you know, on those, those warm weather swings. And then at the end of the year, they, you know, they won a regional at Clemson and they gave South Carolina a good test in the super. And like that team had Springer and Barnes and like, they were super talented and you could write them off when they struggle early, like all Northeast teams seem to do every year, but, Northeaster's loaded, you know, and they're going to be there at the end. And uh, I just have, uh, you know, it seems like you, you share my conviction that they're still, and, and the collar and you were there for the collar and look, and that, that was one thing yeah. I wanted to ask you about up to 99 from yeah. sidearm. Right. It was like, you know, the thing is Arizona played just, they look like a West coast team, right? They didn't walk anybody. They made every play. Um, they played, they didn't, they didn't play for offense. The kid they played at third base, Richie Morales is a Juco shortstop. And so they just punted offense at their base. And of course he had three hits, but um, yeah, Arizona was off speed for a strike. They, you know, Mike Sirota looks the part. I know you guys have seen him. He just, he, they threw, they pitched him really tough. And and so um, it was interesting, fun weekend out here. It was like, man, it was like, my brain is fried right now. It was like so many different teams. I didn't even see Cal in Kansas state. I'll, I'll see Cal in a couple of weeks in, at the peak events thing in Vegas, but it was, um, it was fun. It, it's just a lot to process. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Who wants to go next? I'll um, I'll, I'll jump in here. <clears throat> Mine is, is less of an observation of something specific I saw, but I thought opening weekend in the SEC was a good reminder of it doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter what ranking number you have next to your name. Like you're just going to get got. Right when you look at Arkansas lost a game to James Madison, Mississippi State lost one to Air Force, LSU had a close shave with VMI, Florida lost to St. John's, and this is nothing new, of course, but I do think it it's a good reminder year over year, and I'm glad we got it out of the way on like opening night to just be like, yeah, this this stuff isn't easy just because your team is good. Um, like things go wrong on the micro level. For example, you know, and they won this game, but Hagen Smith throws 42 pitches in the first inning and doesn't come out for the second inning. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt won their first game against FAU, but Grayson Carter walked seven dudes in three innings. And then Carter Holton got hit around a little bit in his relief outing. Um, so unless you're convinced those things are just static and are going to stay true and, and some of them might, I mean, um, that's just the way baseball works. Things happen every year. We don't expect, but for the most part, those things aren't going to stay the same forever. The teams will bounce back. Your things will mostly be fine, but like, I think there's just always an expectation of, you know, teams just working through things like a warm knife through butter. And just because the team you're playing doesn't have the level of talent you do, that it's going to be this sort of easy, easy experience. And that's just not, not the case. So, um, Joe, I have I a follow-up question for you. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt you. That's okay. Um, I like of all those things, I, I agree. I think your point is really well taken. Like good baseball still matters. It doesn't matter the hype or the ranking to your point. What do you think on a scale of one to 10, what do you think Vandy's conviction level will be 
on Grayson Carter because like they were kind of on an island with the whole, hey, like we can make him a starter. We can make him a starter. He doesn't look like a starter. It just he throw he looks like he looks like a reliever you're going to hold your breath with, let alone a starter. And then he walks seven. What do you like? What's your gut tell you on their conviction level there? My gut tells me that they liked what they saw enough in the fall. And I saw it with my own eyes. He threw, I saw him against Wake Forest. He threw strikes. Um, but I think they saw enough in the fall. And at this point, they've kind of put enough effort into trying to make him a starter that I think they're going to ride this out for a few more weeks. If you make me choose, though, I, I, I have a hard time believing by the time we get to the business end of SEC play that he's he's going to be in a starter's role. It's too big of an arm, too good of an arm to just completely shelve him. And I'm not saying they would even consider that, but um, you have to find a role for him, I think. But I have I have a hard time. Th- I just I, I get the feeling that they're like, hey, let's let's see this out a few more weeks. Let's not pull the plug yet. And most of their games until SEC play are going to be manageable. But I, I don't think it, they're going to die on this hill necessarily because they just have too many other options. Right. I mean, they're just yeah. so it's such an embarrassment of riches in terms of guys who could plausibly start for them that there's there's no reason to be stubborn about it. Do we have a feel for Carter Holton's? current status obviously he did not pitch well out of become came out of the bullpen like what's what's up with him yeah if you take if you take things at face value um healthy but got a late start to getting stretched out and getting ramped up so it's they brought him out of the bullpen and maybe he doesn't look as sharp just because he hasn't thrown as much as the other guys in the lead up to the season the 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 idea was always for him to be in the rotation so if you start to do easy math you know okay you're going to keep Futrell in the rotation. And so Holton will take up one of those other spots. And so when you, when you have the discussion about Grayson Carter versus, you know, points to any of the other Vanderbilt pitchers in the roster, like there, there really aren't that many op, like opportunities to go around. So that's, that's the other thing working against it. If they had, if they had a, had graduate or had drafted or graduated their entire weekend rotation, maybe they'd be a little more stubborn with someone like Grayson Carter, but they just, they don't have to. And so Holton will be back in the rotation at some point sooner rather than later. They just wanted to take it slow with him. Makes sense. Hey, Kendall, why don't you uh, give us a synopsis on globe life? You're muted. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll start with, uh, since I talked about Tennessee a minute ago, I'll start with OU. Uh, You know, OU is my non top 25 sleeper. Um, I feel really good about this team. You know, I think the biggest thing for me when I look at Oklahoma over the weekend is when you look at the guys that got big hits for them, uh, it, you know, it, it was veterans. It was John Spikerman. You know, John Spikerman had two huge hits for OU. Uh, you know, I was talking to Skip after the game on Saturday uh, about the fact that we all kind of had him as our break, you know, breakout player last year. And, you know, it wasn't a horrible season. I mean, he hit 275. And I think it was like three, three homers and like 40 RBI. So, I mean, it's not like he had some god-awful campaign. But it wasn't the kind of, you know, the kind of season we expected out of him. So to see him come out there and get some big hits for them early in the season, I thought was really big. Uh, I think the most exciting thing about this Oklahoma team, guys, uh, is their pitching depth. I mean, if you look back at last year, their staff ERA was not great, uh, you know, without Kate Horton and, and uh, you know, David Sandlin. It just wasn't very good. Uh, you know, over the weekend, Brendan Gurton pitched really well. was up to 94, 95. You know, I've seen him up to 98. I think he can kind of harness his stuff a little bit better when he kind of backs off that velo a little bit. Uh, he looked really good over the weekend. Uh, uh, you know, Braden Davis, you know, looked solid as well for the Sooners. You know, he was a highly touted guy. You know, just a just a, a low 90s lefty who's going to pound the zone. Uh, then the Witherspoon uh, brothers 
uh, I thought just showed tremendous upside. Both of them, you know, up to 96, 97. I want to say Kyson might have touched 98. Uh, I'm a big fan of Kyson. I, I just think when you look at his stuff, he's hard-nosed, he's loud, he's boisterous. Um, and I just I, I love his overall stuff and mentality. So you you factor all those guys in the equation, you know, Ryan Lambert. I thought it was really interesting about Ryan Lambert. You know, I think Fit might have might have seen him in the fall, but you know, they they told me like he can touch 99 and 100. And what's really interesting about him is he threw all sliders in like one, I think he threw like one cutter, uh, and that was it. He did not throw a fastball at all. So the fact that they are kind of having him work on that secondary stuff early on tells me they, they feel like they have a pretty good one if he can start landing the secondary pitches or strikes, which he did over the weekend. So, again, Oklahoma, depth on the mound, uh, high-quality depth. Uh, the offense looked pretty good. And then, you know, Tennessee, uh, for me, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be really good. I mean, they, they look the part uh, in uniform. They're physical. They hit with power. Uh, I But the thing for me that I like the, the most about Tennessee – was if you look at, you know, the, the pitching on the front end, you know, A.J. Russell was phenomenal. Uh, you guys are going to love this dude. I mean, he was – it was 96-97. The fastball was rising. It was it was going left, right, up, down. He was commanding it very well. I thought he looked terrific. You know, A.J. Causey, the Jacksonville straight tra uh, transfer, uh, was really good. You know, good velocity, good movement on his pitches. Uh, I think the, the only thing for me when I look at Tennessee is, and I think we'd all agree here, I'm not sure Xander Seacrest is a, is a weekend starter for these guys in the SEC. I just think when you look at some of these other, you know, other options, even Aaron Combs uh, was really good out of the bullpen. Uh, so Tennessee has a, has a lot of options and uh, I like their club real quick, you know, Texas tech, you know, one of the things I talked about with those guys coming into the season, I thought they had more bullpen depth and in the past uh, that, that remains, you know, I think when you look at, you know, the job that, you know, Josh Sanders did out of the bullpen, uh, you know, they, they really picked up Zane Petty uh, on Friday with, with the two freshmen. Uh, Matt Kewer kind of leading the way. I think he went three and a third for the Red Raiders. So more pitching depth for Texas Tech. And then the other teams there, you know, Oregon, I like Oregon's bullpen. You know, um, you know they you know they had a couple of relievers at big time velo. Uh, Brock Moore was up to 99 for the Ducks. Uh, and then Nebraska, lastly, real quick, Nebraska. Um, you know, they're a club for me that has a chance to be pretty good. I mean, uh, you know, Josh Overbeek, I know that lineup is a physical presence. Uh, you know, you look at Dylan Carey, he's a really nice bat in the middle of that lineup. And then they had quite a bit of pitching depth. Keep an eye on Ty Horn, a freshman righty for them. Uh, he was up to 94. Uh, I want to say he touched to 95. Again, hard-nosed approach, really attacks hitters. And so I thought Nebraska showed a lot of potential. I know they went one and two over the weekend, but, I mean, they could have very easily gone two and one. They had they had Oklahoma on the ropes throughout, but give OU credit for coming back. But overall, feel pretty good about Tennessee and OU and and, and obviously Texas Tech as well. I um, agree with your sentiment about Tennessee's rotation, and I thought their usage of Causey and Nate Sneed on Sunday was a little bit telling. I would bet one of those two guys is ultimately the third option at some point as we get into SEC play. So that's, that's kind of where yeah. I, where I come that, down that, that. that's a great point on Nate Sneed because, you know, guys, if you remember Joe, like early in his, his outing, I mean, it was 98 to hundred, but the command wasn't great. But the fact that he kind of settled in told me a lot about him and you're right. I mean, if he, if he can settle in, and throw like that, I mean, there, yeah, you're right. There's no doubt he can be a weekend starter for them. The thing I was going to say about Oklahoma, too, is my concern there is are they going to be physical enough to make things happen offensively? Because I, I'm in kind of increasingly, and I'm not, I don't want to be in a like 
um, an extremist about this, but I, I'm just kind of increasingly dubious of teams that can't get bailed out by three run home runs. I'm not saying you living by that is not the way to go either, but you have, you kind of have to have that in your toolbox. And I'm not real. I mean, Bryce Madrin's a good bat. I'm sure they have some guys with some pop there, but I just kind of went away watching them and it's like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of nice hitters who can run. And that's just a hard way to live though. Trying to put together three or four hits in a row to score two or three runs. Like that's just, that's just tough. And your margins are really, really thin and maybe they can pitch enough to make that okay. But it does strike me that it feels like the Sooners are going to be working on really thin margins that way. It's going to be interesting. My, my trip to Vegas in a couple of weeks with OU, Ohio state, who I'm going to hold judgment, but I will tell you, I saw them this weekend. They have eight left-handed hitters and really looked the part and Cal looked good this weekend. So mm, very interesting. Fitzy, what say you about, um, you did some good writing on your, your yeah. event this week. Yeah. And I'll keep it tight. Cause I wrote about a lot of my, my thoughts here, but my takeaways are basically this. I walked into the weekend. Uh, obviously we were really high on Duke. We had them ranked number 12 in the country we put them on top of that kind of pack of ACC teams with NC State, UVA, and UNC that we kind of debated because we believed in the pitching. Um, we didn't put them ahead of Clemson or in the top 10 because we needed to see the lineup. And I, I saw what I wanted to see in the, the, the lineup. Uh, it, they just keep hitting on these guys. They just keep hitting on their, their transfers. It's really remarkable the job they do evaluating these guys like you know Zach Morris from VMI and Ben Miller from Penn and Logan Bravo from Harvard and you know, Wallace Clark from Oklahoma, but like, especially those like kind of mid-major type guys and the Ivy League guys that they bring in, they just do an awesome job with those dudes. It's really impressive. Um, and and I think their lineup is perfectly cromulent. I mean, really, it's it's like they did a they did a nice job. And, uh, and of course, the freshmen are stars. I, I love, you know, I love Kyle Johnson. I've talked about that a lot. Uh, love what I saw from Macon Winslow. He's, you know, he's actually very athletic as, as a freshman catcher with, I think I got a chance to be a big star. Um, so anyway, Duke answered the question I had, which was the lineup. And then Indiana and Coastal, we, we knew we loved their lineups. Um, that's why we ranked Coastal. That's why we almost ranked Indiana and, and now since have ranked them. But we wanted to see the pitching, you know, like what do they got on the mound? And, and I walked away thinking, you know what? They're both in pretty good shape. They're both in pretty good shape on the mound. It's not, uh, I think an elite pitching staff in either case, but like there's some big arms, there's pitchability, there's depth and variety. Um, so all three of those teams, I would say answered the questions that I, that I had about them in, in a satisfactory way. Duke, of course, most resoundingly and, and Duke look like a team that, you know, will challenge wake forest. And for my money will probably be the number two team in the ACC, even ahead of Clemson. Um, that was kind of the big, biggest takeaway was like, wow, Duke's, Duke's really good. Uh, but the second biggest takeaway was Coastal and Indiana both look legit to me. I know Coastal had a one and two weekend. They're going to hit. They didn't hit this weekend, really, except for Friday where they put 26 runs on George Mason. Um, but, but you know, their their offense is going to be elite. And uh, I liked what I saw from Meckley and at the top. And, and um, uh, actually, the guy threw on Friday, six no-hit innings. Um Help me out, Joe. The veteran, uh, uh, my my mind is blanking. Eikhoff. Thank you, Riley Eikhoff. <laughs> uh, six six hitless innings on Friday. So I mean, you know, they got enough pieces. They got bullpen, but so those are those are my takeaways. George Mason had a bad weekend, and I'll I'll withhold judgment. I do like their athleticism. A couple arms they threw the first two games. 
got just jumped and they're good arms. Chad Gartland's good arm. You know, the lefty that they threw on Saturdays got good stuff. And they just both got jumped and then it just snowballed. So I, I don't put too much stock into it. Uh, they should be a factor in the A-10 with some of their position player guys, but they had a, they had a bad weekend. And so that just happens sometimes. Uh, Fitzy, uh, um, our faithful listener, Jake Mintz, would, would be mad at me if I didn't ask you to define the word cromulent. I have looked it up on the dictionary app, and it's uh, acceptable, satisfactory. Is that accurate? Is that? Yeah, that's what I was going for. Um, and and but I think it might actually be better than that. But my my point is that yes, like it's it's you know some of these guys that just weren't real sexy that they brought in and and are sticking in the middle of their lineup, and it's like uh, they're they're you know they're very much they're very much satisfactory and 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 might be better than that. Put it that way. I love it. I just I was just covering for Joe. He didn't know what cromulent meant. I, I don't know if it's a real word. I think maybe it was like made up by Futurama or something. That's where I always heard it. But the definition says he's a perfectly cromulent quarterback. So there you yeah. go. Used there it in a sentence. Well done. Hmm. Oh, boys. Well done this week. Kendall, I got to give you props. Like, I feel gassed. I feel mentally gassed. You, you look like you've been taking good, 12 man. shots or something. What the heck? Fresh as yeah. a daisy, as John McEnroe says. Yeah, it was that trip to Bucky's last night that rejuvenated me. Oh, it does for all of us. <laughs> Bucky's is selling, selling. Uh, what that do they would, call them? Greenies. That would beaners. suck my soul dry if I tried to stop at a Bucky's. I'm not going to wait in traffic to get gas. I'm not going to battle crowds of plague-ridden. Never mind. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> just to get, just to get to the Fitzy. That's you're, you're, We'll have to continue that conversation because they do have the world's most. I am a big jerky fan. beef jerky bar. So like, but, it, but I'm not a fan of lines and madness. No, no, yeah. no, no. Thank you. You're, you're I like the. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big brisket guy. That when they yell out like hot fresh brisket on the board, that's my favorite. Do they really yell that? Experience. They do. Uh, I have a fact check by the way. Um, cr- the word cromulent was first used on The Simpsons, so it oh, is, is a relatively right? new word. Oh, so in I was, yeah. I was in the right, and that's a Matt. You were in the neighborhood. Matt Graining vehicle, yeah. also. Right church, different pew. That's right. Thank you. Yes, love it, uh, gentlemen. Well done. Let's cap it there. Let's be disciplined. Let's let's make good swing decisions and, and wrap it. Um, this now was a perfectly is, perfectly cromulent podcast. Coach. Yes, yes, satisfactory to <laughs> say the least. Um, now is the perfect time to get your subscription to D1Baseball.com, SEC Extra. Type in. 24 season at checkout type in season 24 just type stuff in there until you get a discount you know type in cromulent whatever um cromulent quarterback whatever you want but i think 24 season will get you 24 percent off um if not you know call kendall at his home number and you guys can talk through it please do yes please do <laughs> call kendall's landline um and that's it uh, exciting week one is in the books we have served we have lived to tell about it we are uh, we are excited for week two. We will do our Thursday night preview pod this week. We'll get that kicked off. Uh, and that is it. Everybody have a great week, and we will catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast. The D1 Baseball Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.